Hello, this is Walk. Hello, this is Bob Diamond, and welcome to the Pathways to Success podcast. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that you'll find today's episode very valuable um, because the guest that we have today, a gentleman named John Asraf, is just a superstar. This guy is a genius in helping people to go the furthest that they can go um, because he helps with mindset. And the thing that seems to, to me, in my experience of coaching a lot of people and, and seeing successful people and seeing not successful people is that generally the most successful people have the best mindset, meaning the best approach to things, the best approach to problems. And they really avoid a lot of landmines that are out there. And, you know, we all grew up with, with suboptimal thinking processes. You know, it's impossible for our parents to teach us the best of everything. We have other people that influence us that aren't always thinking in the most optimal or productive ways. And so when you seek to be more, to, to exceed what you grew up with and, and to reach for more, naturally, you've got to adjust your thinking processes and your approach to things. And I find that, that the key to all of this is your mindset. And with a good mindset, where you can go is really unlimited. With a bad mindset, you're very limited. You're like, it's like you're a rocket tied to the ground. You're not going anywhere. You're just super anchored. So we have with us today, John Astraff. You've probably heard of him. Um, probably the first time I heard of him was many years ago, having to do with The Secret. He was a star in that film. Um, you may have seen him on Larry King Live, on The Ellen Show, on Anderson Cooper. You know, very well-respected man, very high level of expertise in mindset and performance and a guy who really shares, he'll, he'll give you the best that he has and the best of everything. So I promise you that this episode will be very much worth your while. So if you have any distractions, just cut those out because you, you are sitting at the foot of a master essentially. And I'm, I'm talking about John Asraf. So, um, you know, I just, this is a man you really need to listen to. So please listen up. It's going to be extremely helpful to you. So John, welcome to the podcast and, and thank you for coming. Hey, Bob, it's so great to be with you and your audience, and thanks for having me. Thank you. So in your, in your professional opinion, you know, people have access to almost unlimited amounts of information today. I heard something crazy, like it doubles every day or something like that, like some nutty thing. But we have all the information. There's no doubt about that. Yet we don't achieve what we don't want to achieve. And this can be in business yeah. and money. It could be in maybe you're overweight and you know, you're not supposed to be eating the dessert, but you are anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, you should be, you know, instead of watching the latest game of Thrones episode or, or binge watching the old episodes, you're, you should be working on your business or making your life better yet. We don't. So, so tell me a little bit about that. What's your, what are your thoughts? Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a loaded question. And, and I think when we, when we take a look at um, any result in our life, uh, you look in the, more, in, in the mirror when you get out of the shower and you look at your body and you may feel proud, you may feel like, oh my God, what do I let myself you know, go to? Um, uh, it may be because you, know, um, you want to lose weight, but you've tried and you've gained all the weight back after you've lost some weight. Uh, or you read a book and you want to, you know, take the action that's in the book, or you watch a great podcast, like hopefully this one will be, and you say, oh my God, that was so good. Uh, but then you go back to doing what you were doing, you know, just before. And to understand why we do that, then obviously we've got to look at the human brain, which is, you know, what I've essentially studied for 42 years, uh, you know, and understanding why do I do what I do? 
but why don't I do the things I know I want to do and should do? And the answer boils down to a very simple answer, but it's very complex underneath the answer. So it boils down to, some of you had mentioned a little bit earlier, is we become conditioned. When, when we're born, we are born without any self-image, without any self-worth, without any self-esteem, without any beliefs about whether we're good enough, not good enough, smart enough or not, deserving enough or not. We're not born with any fear whatsoever, and we're not born with any knowledge and skills. And so then, you know, we're born um, into the environment wherever our parents may be, or, you know, wherever we may be. And then our brain starts to formulate these, what we call our, our connections, neural pathways. And then we start to believe certain things about ourselves based on what we are told by our parents, our teachers, school, our brothers, sisters. We start to believe things based on you know, the cartoons that we watch or the movies that we watch, whether they're funny or scary. Uh, and we start to learn you know, whether we should be afraid of the snake or take a selfie with it. So all of these things that we learn about our self-image, self-worth, beliefs, fears, et cetera, start to govern how our brain experiences the world, but more importantly, how we are experiencing the world as an individual. And so if you were born with parents, for example, like I was born with a scarcity mindset, my father was a, a gambler, an alcoholic, cab driver that spent every penny he made by the end of the day and money was always scarce, um, and then had a relationship with my mother where, you know, she was trying to save a little bit of money so she could feed her kids. Um, I grew up in this environment where, oh, my God, money is hard to make. And so I believed the money was hard to make. So as a kid, I stole money wherever I could oh, so that I would I would have it. Uh, I, I sold drugs. I did breaking and entries, sold the goods that we stole from from companies and from homes. And I was like a, a child derelict by the time I was 14, 15 years old. And, um, but that's because I believed that we needed money to survive. Uh, it was hard to come by. Uh, you needed to have an education to do it. I hated school. I didn't do well in school. So I did something else. Now, the reason I share that is because our beliefs are the lens by which we see the world and ourselves in the world. So we start to behave in alignment with what we believe. And as we behave in alignment with what we believe at a subconscious level, we then create the results in our reality. So in essence, our subconscious mind is controlling 95 to 98%, according to the latest research, of the show. So even though I may be gathering information, I may be listening to a podcast, reading a book, Reading and listening to a podcast or watching something doesn't change behavior. It just makes you more aware of a possibility. And now we get into the domain of the human brain and the different parts of the human brain that we have just really started to understand in the last 20 years. And just in the last five years, because of technology, where we can actually see a working brain as neurons are firing and releasing neurochemicals into our bloodstream, we haven't been able to see that under you know, a, a state of fear or happiness or love, um, but now we can. So we're now finally getting the user's manual for what is happening in the brain. And we know 
There's three core circuits, I'm sorry, three core networks, the default network, salience network, and the executive functioning network. Those are the networks. But then we have all of these circuits that turn on or off based on the stimuli from our outside world or our internal world of thoughts. And so that's where it starts to get fun to understand, um, you know, why we do what we do and why don't we do, why don't we do the things we know we should do. So something interesting that you just said that you didn't say, but you said it to me. Um, you talked about, you know, when you were younger, having this huge shortage mindset and then doing whatever you needed to survive, you know, things that I'm sure you'd never do today, but back then no. made complete sense. So what's interesting, what that says to me is that you can really change your future. That's what it yeah. says to me, because if you were having that state of dereliction through your teens, I don't know how long it lasted. Um, yeah. You know, that Seven says, you, that's, that says there's hope to me that says there's well, hope. Yeah. Well, you're hundred percent right. And that really takes us into this new field of uh, what's called neurogenesis and uh, neuroplasticity. And so when I was a kid, when most people that are watching were kids, scientists believed that we became, or we were born hardwired. Uh, and that's where that term, you're just like your mother, you're just like your father, you're just like your uncle or your grandfather. We believe that we came with a genetic predisposition and, and those genes that we had expressed themselves and that we would behave a certain way. So uh, of course he's good in math or his grandfather was good in math, or of course he's good in this or bad in this because his mother or father were. And what we've discovered is that's actually not true. We have uh, propensities but there's the new studies of epigenetics that says that our thoughts can override our genetic predispositions. Uh, our emotions, our behaviors, our environment can cause us to behave uh, in different ways. But here's where this gets to be a lot of fun. The science of neuroplasticity says that um, we can actually create new neural pathways. The best way to think of that is this. Imagine you're a software programmer. And somebody says to you, I want you to program, you know, this software that will do this, this, and this. And a software program will go, okay, well, I know how to program. I'm going to just key in what I need to. I'm going to create the software. And then the output, we can pretty much tell. Well, uh, have you ever considered that what you believe is your brain software? Your self-image is your brain software, your self-esteem, your self-worth. Uh, what you fear is nothing more than a code in your brain, neural pathways have been reinforced. And somebody might be afraid of snakes and somebody might want to take a selfie with it, as I mentioned. Um, somebody might be afraid of heights and somebody wants to jump off the building with a parachute. You know, somebody might be afraid of driving fast where another person makes a living driving fast. So we learn what to be afraid of from the time we are children. And in the early years, when we're, we're imprinting our environment, our parents and our teachers, and we're modeling them, that's when our brain is firing the brain cells and creating these patterns. And through repetition, those patterns then become fixed in our subconscious mind. And then it requires no energy for that pattern to activate and follow through with the behavior and the set points or expectations. And here's something that really it was interesting that happened <clears throat> at the age of 19. Uh, I was getting into a lot of trouble. And my brother, who was concerned for my well-being, I was working in the shipping department for Philips Electronics, making $1.65 an hour. And I hated it. 
And my brother said, hey, listen, um, you keep doing what you're doing. You're going to end up dead or, or, or in jail. And I said, yeah, I know. He said, well, stop doing what you do. I said, well, I'm trying to, but I can't. He said, well, would you come to Toronto? I was living in Montreal at the time. He said, would you come to Toronto and have lunch with this man that I'm teaching tennis to? My brother was a tennis pro. And I said, sure. So I took the train, met my brother at this train station in Toronto, which is about 350 miles away. And uh, we went to lunch with Mr. Brown. At lunch, Mr. Brown was a very, very successful entrepreneur, real estate uh, investor, real estate developer. He had five real estate offices. He asked me, you know, what were my, what was my vision for my life? And I said, well, I don't have a vision. Well, what are some of your goals? I said, well, I'd like to get a better job. I'd like to buy a car and I'd like to move out of my parents' house. And this was in April of 1980, to put into perspective. I was 19. He said, well, that's great, but what would you really like to achieve? I said, I, I, I never thought about anything more than that. So he handed me this document and it was the 1980 goal setting guide. And Bob, the first question, he said, sit down at the table and answer these questions. I said, sure, Mr. Brown. So the first question was, at what age do you want to retire? I said, what? Retire? I'm 19. What am I supposed to put in, in, in this box or in this? Uh, in this? He said, just pick a, pick a number. I said, is 45 okay? He says, yeah, that's 26 years from now. Just write it down. Second question, how much net worth do you want to have upon retirement? And I looked at the paper and I looked at him. I said, excuse me, Mr. Brown, what does net worth mean? And he said, well, it's how much assets you have after you pay all the liabilities. And I said, okay, well, what should I put in there? He said, just pick a number. And I said, is like, is 3 million okay? And he goes, yeah, 3 million is great. If you had $3 million at 45, um, you could probably retire well. And this again is 1980. Then the next question is, what kind of car do you want? Where do you want to travel? Who do you want to help? What charitable things do you want to do? And I just filled all this stuff out and I just pulled stuff out of my you know what. And so I wrote down, retired age 45, $3 million net worth, Mercedes-Benz, you know, car, four bedroom house, travel the world, first class, retire my parents, take it. I wrote down all of this stuff. And he said, great, that's a great vision, some great goals. He said, I'm going to ask you one question. And the answer to this question will determine whether you achieve every one of those goals. And I was thinking to myself, probably what you and maybe some other listeners are thinking right now, like, really? One question is going to determine if I achieve all that stuff? And he looked at me, he leaned in, he said, are you interested in achieving all of these things or are you committed to achieving them? And I like scratched my head and I'm going, what? Am I interested or am I committed? I said, excuse me, sir, uh, what's the difference? He says, if you're interested, you will do what's easy and convenient. If you're interested, you'll keep using your stories and your reasons and your excuses that you left high school at grade 11, you failed math, you failed English, your father's an alcoholic, your mother's this. Uh, and he says, you keep using that as the reasons to stay stuck and keep repeating the patterns that are gonna give you the same results. He said, but when you're committed, he says, you'll upgrade your identity to match this new destiny. You'll upgrade your beliefs, you'll upgrade your skills, you'll upgrade your knowledge, and yes, you'll upgrade what you do every day to match the vision and goals that you have. So young man, he says, are you interested or are you committed? And Bob, I don't know why, I was a cocky young guy back then. I said, well, well in that case, sir, I'm committed. And he reached out his hand, 
put my hand in his. He says, in that case, I will be your mentor. And I said, wow, uh, thank you. What's a mentor? What's a mentor? <laughs> and he told me what a mentor was. And then he had me move from Montreal to Toronto. He had me enroll in real estate school that I didn't want to get into. He had me borrow $450 of the $500 because I had 50 bucks to my name uh, for my mother, my sister, and my brother to get into real estate school. And on June 20th, 1980, I became a licensed real estate agent. And then he had me looking at my goals and my vision every day. He had me read out what beliefs I would need to believe in order to make that happen. He had me write out the strategy of how I'm going to earn $10,000 a month, which is the first insane goal that I wrote. And I made $30,000 in the next six months. I made $151,000 in the next year. And then I went and traveled around the world, came back, bought my own Remax franchise region in Indiana at the age of 26 and opened up 85 offices in 10 years and was doing four and a half billion a year in sales. Wow. Yes, we can change. That's some story. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a lot of what you're saying aligns with other things that I've read in the past, especially the, um, you know, that you're going to live to your self-image, whatever that might be. For good you will never outperform. Yeah, you will never outperform right. your hidden self-image. Yes. And that's such such an interesting and powerful insight, I think. And hopefully all of you out there got that. You know. Well, and, and here's the question, right? Like what, where is self-image in the brain? Like, can I, can I take a, a, a finger and point it's right over there? I doubt it, but you're the expert. So maybe there is. Well, well we, we know that there's a part of our brain that when we think of ourselves, it lights up. So we know that that's there. But the question is, what's lighting up? And the answer is the neurons, the cells that formulate your self-image is lighting up. Now, a cellular image in the brain is nothing more than a pattern that the brain recognizes. And the stronger the pattern is, the more it lights up. So think of it as, you know, as a, a highway system Okay, in any city. So there's the major highways, there's the there's the, the the roads that all lead into the highway. Those are the neural pathways of our brain. Now, years ago, we thought, as I mentioned before, that we were hardwired, those patterns were embedded in our brain. But the truth is, that's not the case. So let's say right now I learn, you know, a new pattern. For example, let's say I learn a new pattern to solve the Rubik's cube. Let's say I don't know the algorithm of the pattern and then I learn how to do it. Now, by the fact that I'm touching it, seeing it, speaking, and then moving it, neurons are firing in my brain. If I practice that pattern one time, 10 times, 30 times, 50 times, then I learn, I know how to solve that Rubik's cube. But I may not know the pattern to solve this. Oh my! It's gosh. a Rubik's cube, right? So what happens is a belief is nothing more than a reinforced pattern. A habit is nothing more than a series of reinforced patterns. Now, here's the question. Can I deactivate disruptive, destructive, a disempowering negative habits or beliefs or self-image? Of course we can. And then how can I create and reinforce a new empowering one? So we know from the neuroscience research that, for example, 
when we visualize ourselves achieving a goal, whether it's losing weight and keeping it off, doubling or tripling our income, starting and growing our business to 100,000, 500,000, or a million, or 10 million, or 100 million, when we fire off those neurons in our brain through visualization, we know that visualization is a simulation because now we can see the neurons that are firing in the brain. And we know that the neurons that fire together wire together. The neurons that we repeat that firing sequence and wiring sequence, repetition creates permanent patterns. So if I start a new mental contrasting practice every morning saying, let me see my life as it is. Let me see my, my weight, my relationship, my career, my business, my money, whatever it is, as it is right now. Let me fire those neurons. And then let me reimagine a new future. Let me live in that possibility and see it and feel it. And maybe what I want to do is write out a new story. And if I wrote out a new story that goes like, I'm so happy and grateful for the new fact that I am now earning this and now I now weigh this and now my business is doing this. And what if by reading it, emotionalizing it, visualizing it, and then of course, taking one or two action steps towards that goal every day, I started to use my brain better so that the new vision, the new goals, the new beliefs, the new behaviors become my new automatic default. Could that possibly help change my reality? And the answer is not only could it, that's exactly how it works. And so what we're always looking for, I call, by the way, the things that I mentioned, mental contrasting, priming your brain, visualization, affirmation, those are inner sizes to strengthen what I call our neuro muscles. So we can do bicep curls and strengthen our biceps, but we can also do visualizations to strengthen, okay, our occipital muscle. So that's a little bit of the neuromechanics of, of how anybody can change. This makes such sense. And also it's so, so much hope for people. So really, yeah. no matter where someone is, there's hope. And let's say you could be doing very well. Like you could have a great life, but you know, you want more and you know, it's possible. I, I do think for almost <laughs> everybody that you need improved software programming and attitudes and beliefs to get to the next level. Like I, you know, I watch people, I, I live in a place with a lot of very, very wealthy and successful people. Right. And I just noticed that they're, they're ordinary people for the most part. There are a couple that are flat out geniuses, but mostly I would say normal people. You'd look at them and you wouldn't know them from, you know, a guy who works in accounting down the street. Yeah. Like you just wouldn't know the difference, but you know, from, then you find out the guy's two private jets. And right. it's, it's their, it's their way of thinking. Cause when you get in, when I get into conversations with them, the way that they think about things, like I'll ask their opinion on things are different that, that I can yeah. tell you. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. So I think for everybody out there listening to this, for you listening to it, there is, there's a pathway for you to have more in your life. And Absolutely. by more, I don't mean just money. I mean, love connection, um, everything. All the best. Our, health. Yeah. Our external and... world of results is nothing more than a reflection of our internal map of reality and our expectations. So, and so interesting. I, I, yeah, I was going to tell you a story. I remember when I was I, when I was younger, I I had a, a marriage that fell apart 
and to a great to great extent my fault. And so anyway, that fell apart. And so I found myself single and you know wanting to get back up on my feet again and meet someone else and make it work and not not do you know things that didn't work. And so I sat there one day and I made a list of you know what was this wonderful woman that I wanted to meet going to be like. So I wrote down all these things. And then I wrote a separate list which is all right, if you want that amazing woman, who do I need to be to qualify for such a person? And let me tell you John, it worked like a charm. I went yeah. I made my list, I made a plan, I started doing those things and a, an amazing woman showed up and and I, I think so for you sitting out there, there there's hope for all of us, even me and my in my bad romantic. Well, listen, you talk about uh, about that. Um, I've been broke and changed my self image to not be. Uh, I've been 243 pounds, with 33% body fat, and borderline diabetic, hypertensive, and a fatty liver. And I rewrote that script. Uh, I weigh 197 now. I'm 62. I still have a six pack. Uh, and I'm in some of the best health of my life. I've been divorced twice. 24 years ago, I wrote out, you know, a new reality for what I wanted in my relationship. Met my wife, Maria. We dated for six years, been married, you know, for 18. Um, uh, I can tell you not only my own stories, whether it's health or wealth or relationship and business, um, but I have taught the principles of inner size literally to millions of people with hundreds of thousands of people that inner size daily, you know, and they treat their brain, you know, as that electromagnetic switching. So if you think about, um, you know, a radio, right? If you think about what does a radio do, right? You tune into the station that you want, rock and roll, punk rock, jazz, classical, and it tunes out, right? All of the other frequencies that are in the room that you're in, and it channels right in onto the frequency of what you want. So it receives and sends, okay, messages. Well, what does the brain do? It's an electromagnetic switching station, right? We lock in on what we believe, you know, we can, we can, we can uh, do. We lock in on what we expect. We lock in on our, we look at our physical body in the mirror. We look at our diet and then, you know, we, we look at the result. Well, what if you changed the internal settings? Many years ago, when I had um, a bunch of you know real estate agents, we were uh, at about a billion a year in sales, and it was great. We we had become the number one real estate company in Indiana by 1992. We were doing 1.2 billion. I said, "There's so much more room for growth here. Why aren't we at two or three or four billion?" And I realized that the agents, okay all were locked in on achieving a certain level of income. And back there, we had these awards, the, the Executive Club Award, President's Club Award, and the 100% Club Award. An Executive Club Award made 35 to 50,000. The uh, President's made 50 to 100,000. And the 100% Club made over $100,000 a year. That was back in, in, uh, in the late, uh, late 80s. And I Good said, money well, back then. It was great money back then. Our top ages made 250 to $500,000. There were like two of them. And so I asked, well, um, how do we how do we break this glass ceiling that we've hit? And I said, well, I've got to retrain the agents brains because I'm teaching them what, you know, how to list and how to sell and how to get better at marketing. Um, but the agents were still making the same amount of income and we weren't able to bust through that ceiling. So I did this little experiment over a one year period of time. I took uh, 75 agents who paid me $3,000 each 
to hold them accountable is actually six months, not um, not uh, 12 months, six months for $3,000. Let's do this inner sizes where we visualize, we emotionalize, um, we, we read out the beliefs, we record them, we listen to them, and let's see what happens. And over the next six months, those 75 ages that participated in this little study increased sales by $100 million over what they did the same period of the year before. So you know what wow. I did? I started to train all of our other agents for free. And we went from 1.2 million to two and a half million, to 3 million to four and a half million a year in sales within five years. Not wow. by teaching any marketing or any selling skills, by retraining their brain's expectation point, their self image of what they saw themselves achieve. Income went from an average of $38,000 to $120,000 average for a real estate company in an wow. industry that you know uh, doesn't have a lot of people making 20 grand a year. So if we, if we, if we change the self image first and we see ourselves, whether it's our physical body, our relationship, our business, or our career, if we see ourselves at that level that we wanna be in and we start to believe it and we start to emotionalize, increase the amplitude, the vibration of this molecular thing called a body, is it possible, and here's, here's the possibility question, is it possible that when I do that, I'm actually tuning in my mind, my heart, my being to the frequency of that level of success that I want because it's already here. Like we that are makes energy. complete sense. It makes complete yeah. sense. I, you know, you know, I well, I think of this. I'm interested in your opinion of this. At any given time, there are many, many things we could pay attention to. Right. Anything from our internal state, like our breathing, or whether we have a, you know, a discomfort anywhere in our body, or an itch on the top of our head, or whatever you might have. Yeah. to all the sounds that are around us, to the way the seat feels when we sit on it, to you know, what happened yesterday, to what might happen tomorrow. We could pay attention to all of those things. And I'm guessing that this is related to that, where reprogramming yourself teaches you to pay attention to things that might actually get you to your, to your exactly. self-image, to your goal. Yeah. yeah, there's only four things that'll hold people back. There's not a hundred, there's four, uh, but they're very, very critical. Um, let's say I have a goal to double or triple my income. Let's just say that's my goal. Um, but let's say that I believe that maybe I don't have enough knowledge or skill or I'm too young or too old or I'm not enough of this or too much of it. Let's say I have this belief, okay, that says I can't because. I have this story around why I can't. The fact that I want to might motivate me, but the fact that I have a disempowering belief will affect my behavior more than my motivation. So I will hold myself back and I'll procrastinate and self-sabotage. That's actually why we self-sabotage. Let's say um, I have a vision and goal of what I would like because I've used that, you know, part of my brain that can dream and imagine. But let's say I feel like I really don't deserve to achieve that or, you know, I, I don't feel worthy of achieving that because that's what I learned. Well, I won't take action. Um, so that's number two. Number three Let's say that I want to achieve this goal. Uh, and let's say I'm married with a couple of little kids or I'm not married. I'm, I'm almost retired and I'm, I've got 50% of my retirement savings already you know, taken care of. If I have a fear of failure, I won't take action. If I have a fear of being embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, judged, rejected, or disappointed, I won't take action. So fear 
has, there's 50 different types of fear that hold people back. Now, fear is nothing more than a subconscious signal, no differently when you're driving your car and a light pops up on your dash, it's just a signal. But what most people don't understand is when they have fear, it causes their sympathetic nervous system to activate, which means they're gonna fight, freeze, or flee away and do something else. So they don't understand the emotional regulation skill that they need to feel fear and override that circuit. They don't have the tools to understand that fear is very, very normal. It's actually one of your greatest gifts when you use fear as the fuel. But we were never taught how to do that in school. And then there's the fourth thing, Bob, and that is uh, I have a vision or a goal, whether it's for health, relationship, or finances, doesn't matter. But I don't have the knowledge and skill on how to do that. So in the absence of the knowledge and skill of what to do and how to do it, I have doubt. A brain in doubt is a brain that's stressed. A brain that's stressed usually has fear. So now we have this effect of I don't have the knowledge and skill, so I'm allowing the lack of knowledge and skill to control my behavior as a protective mechanism because there's something called the law of secondary gain in the brain. And the law of secondary gain says this, when I self-sabotage, when I procrastinate, when I divert my attention to something that keeps me in my comfort zone, I'm actually getting a dopamine reward for staying safe. Wow is right. So now here's the question. Can I change my beliefs with the right techniques? Yes. Can I upgrade my self-image with the right techniques? Yes. Can I use AI today to know what knowledge or skills I need, what plans I need to implement? Yes, yes, and double yes on that one. And then can I learn through mindfulness, as you mentioned before, practices, can I learn to be aware of my thoughts? Can I learn to be aware of my emotions? Can I learn to notice my behaviors, the one I'm taking and what I'm not taking? And can I deliberately and consciously make better choices to take action and build new habits? Yes. Now, does that mean that I have to become the next best version of myself? The answer is yes. And you're only going to do that if you're committed, not interested. So and so when, Mr. so when Mr. Brown asked me, am I interested or am I committed, right? I said, I'm committed. But then he showed me what that meant. And now when I teach, uh, when I, you know, have students, I said, well, what's your vision? What's your goal? Are you interested or are you committed? Because I won't work with you if you're not committed. Because I don't have any interest in you letting yourself down. If you're committed, I can help you. You can help you. If you're interested, nobody can help you. You're so right about that. Right? I mean, in the business yeah. that we're in and we help people with, you know, the core of our business is you have to call people and offer your services. And the people that, that do well, make a lot of calls, talk to a lot of people yeah. and get some customers. The people that aren't successful, like if someone says to me, oh, Bob, you know, I, I'm not doing so well. I'm not getting as far as I, I hoped. I only ever have to ask one question. Well, how many calls do you make in, say, a given week? That's right. And then that's they right. stare at their shoes. Their shoes become yeah, very right. interesting. Yeah. And I say, yeah. well, here's the good news. Like, we know what the problem is because you're not doing that. Yeah. So let's talk about how that'll get done. Maybe somebody else has to do it if you don't want to do it. But right. you either need to bring someone in to do that or you need to go do it. But otherwise, you know, you're not going to, you'll be in the same position you're in today, next year, and the year after that. So let's right. talk about that. And so you'd right. mentioned training people. So 
how do you go about helping people to overcome these you know disempowering beliefs i'll call sure. them and and getting to their next best life for the last uh, 10 years i've had coaching programs uh, one for winning the game of money one for winning the game of business and we have uh, you know a year long coaching program and we teach people how to retrain their brain how to upgrade their knowledge and skills and how to stay accountable to the new the new behaviors and um, last about a year and a half ago uh, you know, uh, for years I've been hearing from my students that the inner size is the brain training that they do is changing their lives and health and money and business. And so I, uh, I actually created an app called inner size and, um, I built 550 inner sizes for health and wealth and self-esteem and sales and leadership to actually coach people through the science-based methods with me in their ears, guiding them through visualizations and affirmations and mental contrasting and cognitive priming. And we took all of the techniques and built the inner sizes. And then, you know, people have been inner sizing now. Um, we, we launched it last year in October. We've got tens of thousands of people that are inner sizing now, you know, with our app. And we just keep adding more inner sizes in there. So that's one of the ways that we do it for people. Uh, and then we have people that get coached by us so that they can understand you know, how to grow their businesses or, you know, how to shift from being an employee to an entrepreneur and manage their self-image, their beliefs and, you know, their um, uh, fears that they have, because it's, it's normal whenever we get out of our comfort zone, um, there's a part of our brain that's always thinking, well, what if you fail? What if you make a mistake? What if you stumble? What if you fall? What if you lose money? What if, what if you can't pay your more? What if? It's a part of your brain that, that is there doing its job. Right. And what you have to teach people how to do is say, well, that's a possibility. But what if, you know, I do this and this and this, then could I achieve my goals a little faster, a little bit easier? And the answer is yes, because both possibilities exist. The possibility of failure exists. The possibility of success exists. Success has a pattern. Failure has a pattern. And what you want to teach people how to do is how to hold both possibilities you know, in their hand, but then where do I pay attention, right? So energy will always flow to where attention goes. So when we teach people, okay, why are you procrastinating? Why are you afraid? Why are you not taking action? So when you have students who don't make the calls, uh, there's something in the, in the world I come from, it's called call reluctance. And people aren't afraid of making calls. That's not the problem. What their brain is doing, and this is if they want to leave a job or, 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 you know, hire or raise money, what your brain is always doing is projecting the negative possibilities in the event I make a call and somebody hangs up on me or calls me an idiot or swears at me. Um, and then I feel like they've personally attacked me and it reinforces my low self image of myself. Oh, so I'm actually not afraid of calling. I don't want the consequences that I am thinking might happen that I want to move away from. So I don't want to deal with being embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or, or called up, you know, or hung up on. I don't want to deal with that because of the meaning that I give it. Well, what if we change the meaning? What if we give you a different frame to see yourself making those calls regardless of what they do? Okay, you're there to help them. And you're there to help the ones who want and need the help right now. 
And in the world of, let's say, cold calling, it's a numbers game. And you can increase the numbers with knowledge and skill. So let's work on the knowledge and skill. Let's change the meaning you have of people hanging up on you or yelling at you. And all of a sudden, your brain doesn't react the same way. So whenever I help people, I work on the internal map that they have of what things mean, right? So uh, the only thing that it means if somebody hangs up on you is they may be busy. Uh, they may not need what you want. You may have bothered them. And that's they own that. You're just doing your job. Sure. So could be they just had an argument with their spouse. You know, just that's right. Their dog could have separate. just died. Their dog could have just died, right? So, so that's where the mindset training comes in, and that's me being able to a be aware of my thoughts, me being able to be aware of how I'm feeling, and we have six core emotions. And one of those, some of those emotions move us towards what we want. And some of those emotions are there to protect us. And so that's just the way the brain works. And functionally, I don't think I mentioned this before, but what most people don't know is functionally, every brain works the same. Genghis Khan's brain, interesting. Hitler's brain, your brain, my brain, Chris's brain, everybody's brain works the same. So if functionally it works the same, is it possible that some people just haven't learned how to use this $100 billion biocomputer really well? Is it possible that it's a skill set issue, not a potential issue? And that is where this becomes really fun because we all have heard we have so much potential. And the question is, well, if I have so much potential, like how do I bridge the gap between the potential I have and the reality I'm living? And now this becomes a choice. Are you committed to getting better? That's where personal development comes from, right? It's like if you want to uh, increase your cardiovascular capacity, there's 50 things you can do. If you want to increase, you know, your self-image, there's 50 things you can do. You want to increase, you know, uh, or go from disempowering negative beliefs or, you know, um, we have 6,200 thoughts a day of which 80% are negative for most people. How do you go to 40% negative and 60% positive? Well, you retrain, okay, the biocomputer where those are percolating from. All, all human beings have this capability. Obviously, if, there's, if there isn't any uh, mental um, uh, disability, of course, or emotional disability. But functionally, we know the mechanics now. So now it's a choice. And if you choose to double or triple or, 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 or lose weight and keep it off, losing weight is one decision. Losing weight and keeping it off is a totally different discipline. That's interesting because so I know that's, we, the, that's sort of the rub on, on losing weight. People say, well, why lose weight? You know, why go on a keto diet or why go on Manjaro or whatever? Because you'll just bounce right back. And that well, seems but to why? be, you know, but why I'm, you're the expert. Yeah. You yeah. I know. But I know. most people, most people don't say, well, why does this keep happening? Well, what if I said to you that every brain has set points in it, like a thermostat in a room or a car. And what happens when hot air comes into a room that's, uh, you know, 65 or 70 degrees, you know, setting and room temperature. The sensor in the thermostat picks up a deviation from the programming, sends a message through the electrical system to the furnace or the heater, right, to turn on the heat or the air conditioning until the setting is matched. Well, when somebody loses weight without 
recalibrating their self-image without recalibrating their habits, then guess what happens? They lose the weight because you can lose weight, you know, on just about every diet, but their brain says, hey, uh, you're not eating as much as you ate before. You're exercising more, which means you're using up energy. My, my programming is to conserve energy. So as you lose weight, I'm going to actually kick into higher gear and have you eat more than you were eating before, not only to gain all the weight back, but to make sure that you don't do this again. I'm going to save a little bit extra. That's what yo-yo dieting is all about. So the problem isn't the, the diet or exercise. When most people go on a diet, they say, I want to lose 10 or 20 pounds, 30 pounds. So they do the changes that are necessary in their diet and exercise, maybe even sleep to regulate leptin, a hormone, um, and they lose the weight. But then they hit the weight. Guess what they stopped doing? The behaviors that got them to lose the weight, right? And so what happens is everything reverses back into the old habits and patterns that have been reinforced for many, many, many years. So if you want to lose weight and keep it off, reset your weight set point, your fat set point. We have set points for income, for weight, for relationship, and we will always rise to the level of our settings and our self-image and our expectations. And we will fall to those uh, levels as well. And that's why lottery winners lose the money within three years and millionaires usually make it back within three years. The setting determines everything. That completely makes sense to me. And so a couple of questions, because I'm thinking of what would someone listening to this say, oh, this sounds wonderful. Sounds like a view into this whole great world. So a question I often get when people are thinking about the things that I teach people are, well, can I do this? Is one of the questions. So it's sometimes, you know, can anybody do this? Is this possible for pretty much anyone out there with the exception of you'd mentioned maybe someone yeah. with a disability, which I'm guessing is I don't know, is it severe depression or something or a brain injury? Or well, well, the severe depression is, uh, you know, the, the, the severe depression can be um, uh, neurological imbalances, but it also could be suppression issues from childhood or adulthood. So suppression usually um, can happen because of somebody suppressing their emotions and their thoughts, and they've been minimized long enough to be in a depressed state versus an expressed state. So you can change their physiology to change their neurology. Um, but that's for another discussion. But I want to share a story with you. Um, several years ago, uh, this woman was on one of my uh, free webinars, master classes that we do. And um, um, uh, she was in, in her early 80s. I think she was 81 years old. And uh, she said, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a wedding planner in the island of Kauai. Uh, my husband has cancer. Um, I used to make about seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, which which helped us live here, um, you know, uh, really well. And um, uh, my husband used to work; he can't now. And you know, my wedding planning business is just about bankrupt. Uh, will this inner size stuff help me? I said, well, um, the answer is yes, because even at you know eighty or eighty-one years old, your brain has got the ability to make new neurons, neurogenesis, and that has the ability to create new pathways. Um, so she started to inner size every day. She learned a little bit more about marketing and sales, which she needed to upgrade her knowledge and skills. And within 12 months, she went from almost being bankrupt at 81 to making $247,500. 
And the story didn't end there because she was blown away that she did that, but she had a, a vision of creating $250,000 in income. She took $50,000 of that money, booked, it's actually 55,000, booked a trip for her and her husband to go to Thailand, business class air seats, five-star hotels, and a spectacular trip for 30 days. She came back, she wrote me a letter, sent pictures to us of her trip with her husband. And several months later, he died from cancer. But he said to her, thank you so much for putting the icing and the cherry on our life together. I'll see you on the other side. And he died. She closed down her, her, um, her uh, wedding planning business. And then she died two years later. So what's the moral of the story? Uh, at an early age, it's easy to create the patterns. When we're older, it's a little bit harder, but still doable. And so when you create those, that new image, when you, when you are vibrating at the level of that new image, when you apply the skills required for the level that you want to achieve, everything is possible. But you have to turn you know, your mindset of doubt and fear and worry and anxiety and your stories and excuses into the fuel to become the next best version of yourself. And most of us need a little bit of coaching and guidance, you know, to do that because when we're looking at changing our brain, the new research shows that it's about 66 days to 365 days to develop a new thought, emotional or behavioral habit. Okay. So, as soon as we learn something new, we formulated a bit of the pattern, but it's the reinforcement of that pattern every day, a little bit, every day, a little bit, every day, a little bit. It's the space repetition that creates the pattern that then recreates you and reinforces you. So whenever I have any students, I say, um, tell me your vision, tell me your goals. And are you willing to commit to at least 100 days of changing your thoughts, emotions, and behavior so we can create a pattern that's strong enough to build itself. And if you say no, I can't help you. You say yes, I can help you. And I don't care what age you are and how bad your situation is. We can make meaningful progress in 100 days, but it takes you being committed to you. And then I can show you the, the blueprint and the pathway and give you the support. But if you're not committed, and, and you think 100 days is too long, good, keep trying your way and come back to me when you're ready. I think that's wonderful. I, I love your approach too. I've had, I've had coaches in my life. I had one very memorable Russian guy who was just, just he, he carried around an ax with him and anything he would do, he'd get axed. And it was tough. It was very tough being coached you know, by a person like that. I love the fact that you're positive. Like, All right, you know, go try it your way. And when you're ready, I'll be here, come back. That's just yeah, great. I, I, I love that. I learned in I learned in my business and businesses to get out of the convincing business. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And and you know it's funny when yeah. I know some of the people that are listening to this will be in the overages business that I'm in. So that's just to tell you what it is. We help people who've lost a house or foreclosure get a refund of any extra money that's left over. Yep. So we help a lot of people significantly where their problem at that moment is being extremely short of money. Yep. Um and you know, you get, I get people that are afraid to make calls because they don't want to pester somebody. I'm like, please pester them. They'll be happy when you get them a check for 20 or $30,000 or more. They'll be absolutely yeah. thrilled. Um, yeah. But, you know, these, I, I can't fix those things. Like if, if there's not that willingness to do it and where I think the connection with you and what you teach is, and for anyone out there, 
all of us at every level, especially the high performers, seek mentors and coaches and we listen to them. And, yeah. you know, when you meet someone like, for example, John, who we're, we're chatting with, font of information, obviously deep, deeply skilled in you know, the science of how the mind works and how it influences the world that you inhabit and the world that you create and the world you can create or the world you won't create if you if you're thinking the wrong way. And, you know, the people that are successful, I promise you, all of them have mentors and coaches virtually all of whom have something that they get out of it. You know, there's sometimes yeah. people want to like, Oh, a mentor or someone does something for you for free. There's nothing free. The only things mentors will ever do for you for free occasionally is when they feel like they want an emotional lift out of something they may like, I think in your case, John, this is a family connection that just, you know, someone says, Hey, you got to help my brother out. This, this guy is in real trouble. He's going to go down the tubes. Could you please, please just have lunch with him? And probably after a little convincing, I says, all right, I'll have lunch. And then he just tests you out with a couple of things. And, and you got very fortunate to be in a mood to listen and to get that mentor. And for all of you yeah. out there, you, you, you don't harvest before you plant. And your planting in this yeah. case is plant the seeds of investment in your own mindset, your own learning. Yeah. And I promise you, everybody can, can do better. You know, yeah. I can, John can, well, I can. you can out there i still i still study every every day every day i'm studying researching watching listening talking uh learning uh implementing every day uh, i've made it my passion to be a lifelong learner um and somebody who also loves to share and give um, but every day you learn that there's another layer and another layer like our life is like an onion you know, and no matter how many, you know, layers you peel away, there's more layers in. Um, and if you think about this, why do we use microscopes to look deep into, for example, the nucleus of an atom? Uh, because there's so many layers between here and there. But why do we use a telescope to look out into the cosmos? Well, because there's so many things between here and there. And there's always something to learn, a different perspective, a different technique, a different tool, a different distinction, a different thing that we can say, oh, my God, that's the thing that I can implement and use right now. And all very successful people have stood on the shoulders of of mentors and coaches and and books and videos and killer podcasts like this one is um, to to learn to expand and to continue that growth uh, growth curve and uh, uh, when you're investing in um, you know your personal development and growth the return is exponential over time it's just exponential over time. And so I learned many years ago, my first mentor, Mr. Alan Brown, you know, he said, I want you to study for one hour a day. At the end of one year, you've studied 365 extra hours. That equates to nine 40 hour weeks, nine 40 hour weeks. Wow. Any, anybody who's listening right now, you're, you're afraid of calling just one hour a day of practicing. You'll be a master of the phone. You know, I remember, when Mr. Alan Brown said to me, you know, come work for me uh, on commission only. I moved to Toronto, Bob, and uh, he, uh, he started training me and he gave me this script that I had to, to learn. And uh, he said, I want you to read the script. I want you to record the script. I want you to listen to the script. And then I'm going to put a phone in front of you and I'm going to give you a book with the names of, of all the homeowners in the neighborhood over here. And you're going to pick up the phone. And I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up the phone. Do I? So you're going to call all those people. And here's the script. 
Hi, this is John Asraf with Allen Brown Real Estate Company. We're looking for somebody in the neighborhood who's looking to buy or to sell a home because we have somebody who's looking to buy a home. Have you thought about making a move? If they said yes, I said, great. Could we come over today at three o'clock or at five o'clock be better so we could see the house so we could talk to our buyer about it? If they say yes, we'd go over there and we'd look to get a listing. If they said no, I said, well, thank you very much. Um, do you know if somebody in the neighborhood might be looking to sell their home? Uh, if they said yes, I go, great. Who, what's their name? Give me their number. If they said no, I said, okay, thank you. Oh, by the way, um, do you know when you might be considering selling your home? Since we're the number one real estate company in the neighborhood, we'll put it into our, uh, our calendar system and we'll call you then. That was a script I learned in it's 1980. Great. You still now, know it. I still great. know it. Then the second year, remember I said you made five times more money the second year? I was calling people that I didn't know. And they would hang up on me. They would swear at me. They would, they would do all stuff. And I initially said, oh, my God, this is like so angry. And several times, you know what happened? Like a day or two later, they would call the office because they had a fight with their spouse. They said, we're going to sell our house. We, there's some kid, you know, who called, you know, from your office, John Asa something. And then we'd go list their house. So if somebody gets angry with you, mad at you, hangs up on you, calls you names that moment, Three seconds later, they might be calling you to help them because they need you. So don't buy into your own beliefs of why you don't want to call. Change that meaning. And I became outstanding at cold sales. Um, and then the second year, I went after for sale by owners. And I had a whole script for sale by owners because they already had their hand up saying, I want to sell my house. They just want to do it privately. So we had a whole script that we knew worked, a strategy that was better for them. That is so, I, I can tell you folks out there listening, that is the recipe for success. Like what John is talking about is absolutely the recipe for success, which is why I'm so glad I, I had you here to talk about this, because this is the part that from my perspective, so I'm a, a great world's greatest expert in overages, know all about it, but mind and the way the mind works, not my, not my area of expertise. So I love the fact that we have you here that can do this. And I know you have an app also, right? The the uh, train, not train your brain. In, yeah, the inner size app. Inner, inner size. size app. Inner um, size app. Yeah. So people yeah, can get the started. App store and get a, ten right. bucks a month, seventy nine dollars a year, or think one hundred ninety nine dollars a lifetime. And each one of the inner sizes cost me a thousand five hundred dollars to write, edit, record, edit, and put the right sounds to activate the brain the way we want to. There's five hundred and fifty of them in there. Wow. Already plus some video trainings. And so for 10 bucks a month, about $800,000 worth of value. Oh. Yeah. It's, um, if I, my math is close on that. And yeah, what I would say to everybody out here is, you know, you can, you could see for yourself the, the kind of value that John brings to the table and why he is so well-respected. Because if you haven't heard of Thank John, you. he's fairly legendary. He's really, people really, everybody speaks highly of him. Um, and Thank you. You know, it's just now you know why yourself. I, I wanted to ask you. I, I know you have the Stein brothers there in your office. <laughs> tell me about. Let's tell everybody about the Stein brothers. So right up there we have Einstein, There's and Einstein, then we have his, one. his his brother, well, Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> and um, um, many years ago, when I was you know doing a lot of research on the brain and we were discovering that there's, you know, the frontal lobes, people talk about the frontal lobes. And um, what we discovered is when, when Einstein is active, Einstein is considered the, the CEO, the executive director, the orchestra leader of the rest of the brain. And Einstein has some skills and Einstein can imagine 
what your life would be like, you know, that was magical, but also disastrous. Um, Einstein could come up with, well, I could do this and I could do this and I can learn this script. I can make these calls. I can offer this and I can. So Einstein has got this great deductive reasoning to say this or that and here's why and imagine. Um, but every time Einstein um, says, I could do this, um, his brother, Frankenstein's monster, says, hey, but, but what if you fail? Uh, what if you what what if you succeed and then fail? What if you lose money? What if this is the wrong decision? What if you're embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged or or what if? And Frankie's monster always is working to protect you just in case. Why? Because the same reason you have gas and brakes in a car, you have gas and brakes in the brain. So one part of your brain says, "Let's do this," but the other part of the brain says, "But hold on a second there." You know, uh, this could hurt you. This could cost you, you know, your emotional well-being. This could cost you, you know, in your self-image. And so there's this check and balance in our brain. And Aini and Frankie are always battling. Now, are you your brain? No. You're no more your brain than you are your heart, your nose, your eyes, or your hands. You have a brain. And with a little bit of training, a little bit of awareness training of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behavior. It's called mindfulness training. I could become aware of the dialogue in my head. And then I could say, thank you, Frankie, for giving me your opinion. Now, I'll take that into consideration and I will reduce my risk and I will make sure that I do this and this and this and this because Einstein here can help me do that. And then I'm going to take inspired action and I'm going to protect myself so that I don't get embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged. So now I can be aware of the positive, the negative, the disruptive, the empowering or disempowering. And then I could be at choice. And this is where you know, the rubber meets the road because we can learn to observe our thoughts. And this could go down in a different direction, Bob, that I know we don't have time to go, but then you say, well, who is observing the thoughts that are happening in my head, right? Like that's the real who we are. Um, and, uh, and so the fun part about personal development is you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into remembering that you are already one with that which created you. And you could create from that space of abundance and limitlessness and unobstructed potential when you learn the skills of how to do that. Now, you may say, I don't want to do it. I, okay, that's okay. It's like saying, I don't want to eat Italian food. That's your choice. But if you want more, then think about how can I become more? aware? And how can I make better choices? And, and this is where this becomes really a lot of fun because then I'm back in the driver's seat of applying the techniques and the tools that have already been figured out. I love this. Yeah. And that's another thing for, for everybody sitting out there. Don't be a do-it-yourselfer. I'm just going to say that out flat. You, um, you really want to stand on the top of a person like John, who's been studying this for what, a decade, at least 40, I think you said a decade. 42 years, 42 years. It's obvious because of the depth that you go into. Um, yeah. I don't know if you noticed this. I'll just mention it. There was an article I noticed yesterday that was talking about, they're thinking that they've found a structure in the brain 
that essentially proves that we are connected. The entire universe and consciousness is connected and you have Absolutely. access to all of it, which is what yeah. sort of the gurus have been saying for a while. A scientist yeah. actually found a structure for it and some proof of it, which is phenomenal, which you yeah. know goes back to you know, when you, you guys were, when you were in the secret and people were talking about yeah. vibrational levels and interconnectedness, yep. which could sound really crazy, but as they say, sometimes, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. And yeah. the scientists have started to untangle that. And it is really complicated. When I started reading it, my, my mind started yeah. getting twisted into a pretzel because it's complicated. But I think it does say it that we know it, I think intuitively that we are connected. And you just of sometimes course. you see it's it pop out. It's like, called entanglement. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. Called and, and we see it, but we see yeah. it sometimes with um, like mothers and children is a place you'll see it. Like I'm like, oh, there's something wrong. You know, the child's a thousand miles away, and they know something is wrong. And yeah, it's, in, you know, that's in one of my um, um, New York Times best-selling books, The Answer, which is behind me. Uh, I wrote about a scientist. His name was Bag Irita, and he took saliva out of somebody's mouth and took the saliva 500 miles away and subjected the saliva to stimuli and the human that the saliva came from was reacting in the same way as the saliva and they were doing this back and forth that's entanglement uh, and um, so if you think about from the big bang so to speak whatever caused the big bang is another story uh, but everything expanded outwards almost like everything in the balloon is connected that's entanglement. It's part of the spider yeah. web. And um, so there's a lot of research. There's, uh, there's some research. Um, I can't remember the name of the scientist in, in the UK, but um, they, they had a parrot and the parrot's owner. And the parrot's owner was in a hotel room, let's say 10 blocks away from where they were with the parrot. And they would um, uh, the owner of the parrot would hold up a sign, let's say dog, and the parrot would say dog, whatever image this man put up in any order that the scientists gave to him, the parrot would say the thing that was on this image that the man was, was holding up. And so there's so many um, bodies of research around entanglement and the, and the intelligence that's within us and all around us. And then if we go back to, you know, what does your brain do? Like as people are listening or watching us right now, my body is a hundred trillion cells coalesced, made up of hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon, vibrating packets of energy we call quanta. So I'm emitting light right now because I am light. You are light. Sound is traveling, you know, from my mouth, my vocal cords. Sound I didn't know how to make as a child that I learned how to make that gives meaning to the words I use based on the language that you and I know. It's firing those neurons in your brain, associating what I'm saying with what you know or don't know, what you believe or don't believe. You're seeing me come through your computer, you know, on your mobile phone or whatever the case is, and it's activating brain cells, energy, frequency with neurochemicals associated with them. So there's so much complexity, you know, to, 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 to life. Uh, but there's so much beauty and simplicity in just understanding a little bit of how it works. And if That's we can so remember, opportunity. yeah, like Tesla said, if you want to understand the universe, you must understand energy, vibration, and frequency. And so are you, are you at, the, at the vibrating at the level of what you want or what you don't want? Are you vibrating at the level of the potential that you have or the fear that you have? 
right? So you've got to really start to think about what, what's the frequency that you are in thought-wise, emotional-wise. Uh, we can use curling photography to actually see, okay, the light that's coming off of your body. And so we are, you know, energetic, molecular, atomic beings and language matters. What I say matter, what I think matters, my thoughts matter, my emotions matter. Emotions are nothing more than the energy in motion. Um, and so when we understand just a couple layers more than our, our ignorance, and we're all ignorant, then we can start to achieve a lot more of our potential, but you have to be committed. Such true words. So, so for you out there, if you're committed to something better, you know, I think we've had the good fortune today of, of truly being at the feet of a master. And that's obvious from, from just the conversation. You're welcome. Um, so in the show notes, we'll put the link to, um, to John's app and to John and so you can get more information about what he does, who he is. And just to start with, I mean, if nothing else, go grab the app. You know, it's, it's silly not to, because yeah. you can see the kind of value. And then, you know, that maybe is the first layer of the onion for you. You've got there sure. with 550 lessons, I think you said, John. So there's 550 10 to 20 minute inner sizes to train your brain and about 30 hours of videos to train you on emotions and focus and goal achieving and all that stuff. So videos and audios to train you. That's and fabulous. Pick up and one of my, uh, one of my New York times, best-selling books, inner size, the answer or having it all. I think that's perfect. And, and I will tell you from my own, just John is near legendary and just, I would just maybe better say really well-respected by the smartest people that I know. I would just say that. Um, and Thank these are all. people that are successful. You're welcome. These are people that are successful, people that are smart, people that have accomplished a lot in life and are, are still continuing to grow and accomplish more. And, you know, you want to follow the people that are are winning, you know, if nothing else, they, they are, they're treading proven paths. And one of the things that winners do without fail is they continue to learn, they continue to be students, they continue to know that there's more. Because as John said, there's an always another layer to the onion. And we're nowhere near, you know, when they we once thought atoms were the smallest thing, now we found out there are other things in there. They're so invisible, we can't even see them yet, but we know they're there um, because of theoretical physics. So we know they're there. Um, we're living in a time of miracles and you perhaps can have your own miracle in life where you have completely different results because you work on the way that you approach things, the way that you think about things and you can truly have more. And we're talking more of all the best things in life, more love, more money, better health, better relationships, all the things that really, you know, make worth life worthwhile and make it wonderful, especially the love and relationships part. And of course the money is something that we all need, especially if that's a big shortage. Sure. Um, and I'm going to go, at least get the app and check it out. Cause I think it's, to me, it's interesting. And I'm always looking for the next way to grow and the next way to become the better version of me and to, to be there for my family um, and to be there for the people that I have to take care of, which include you guys on this podcast. So uh, John, I want to really thank you for being here. It's been absolutely you, amazing. Is there, is there anything that I missed that you really would love to cover or, or are we good? I think we're good. I think, um, you know, I think what we should, um, just remind people is um, the reason you have the desire, desire, you know, it's a, a kind of a Latin religious term of the father, I'm not religious at all. The reason you have this desire, the reason you imagine, you know, a, a better future, uh, a different future, a more successful future with less of this and more of that, 
is because the possibility for you to achieve it is there. And so you just have to claim your spot to do it. So you wouldn't have the seed. The universe sends us seeds in the form of ideas and desires. And it's our job, if we want, to plant that seed in fertile soil, right? And then to till the soil, get rid of the weeds and keep nurturing that soil. And then you can become, you know, the, the most proud, uh, confident version of yourself, regardless of what you may not believe or believe right now. But you just need to make a decision, make a commitment to a better future, uh, a better month, a better quarter, a better year. And then get yourself on that path instead of the path that you're on and just make a few adjustments because there's always adjustments. And um, but get on that path. But first, understand um, you are so beautiful. You are so powerful. You have a hundred billion dollar brain that you owe no mortgage on. Right. You just have to use it a little bit better. Well, thank you. And for you out there, thank you for coming and. You know, John, thank you for just being a man of, of love, wisdom, and kindness. That's what thank I will, I that's enjoy. my three words for you for today, because that's who you are. So John's information is in the show notes, so you can go and, and get the app, go and check out the other things, get get one or all of his books. You know, I know one of my favorite things to do is I'll be working out, which is not my favorite thing to do, to be honest with you, but my big reward for working out is I get to listen to books. <laughs> that's my that's the way I manage myself. I listen to books. So if you don't like Love reading, it. get the audible book version and listen to that. And, and it's really a wonderful way to get through your day. And, you know, if you have a commute, listen to the book on your commute. If you're going to do what John had suggested, take a little time in the morning, you know, get up a half an hour earlier and do your exercises and your life can truly change. And as, as the year wears on and continues forward, you can have, you know, an amazing you know, new horizons and new things opening up to you. And like I said, more love, more relationship, more money, more of all the good yep. things in life. And with your exercise, do your inner size. Yes. Thank you, John. I really, really appreciate right. you. And I appreciate your time and, and your expertise. Thank you. Thank you very much.